Tom Chick, I'm here with Christian Molzinski. Now you can just call me Cassie. <laughs> and with a Carrie tagline, Kelly Wand. It's like Zap, but it's a comedy. Mm. This probably is the closest we're going to get to doing a Zapped podcast, I would say. Unless they reboot Zapped. That's like never going to happen, Kelly Wand. With Carrie money. Kelly Wand, give up your foolish dream. <coughs> Done. Thanks. Uh, Kelly Wan, did you have something to tell us about a trailer that you saw before? Oh, I, I told my mom that we saw Carrie, and she's all, why would you see that? Why wouldn't you see anything with Benedict Cumberbatch over that? And then she saw Fifth Estate, and then she came back and went, God, I fucking hated that movie. She was the one who saw it. Fifth Estate tanked hard this weekend. Yeah. Uh, no one wants to see him with white hair. I, I think it's maybe a Julian Assange thing. I think maybe he's not quite the folk hero that... And what he's doing is typing shit at best. I don't know. Well, it really bombed. It had, uh, considering it was a relatively wide release, it came in fifth place and only made. Uh, and this isn't this wasn't something. It, it opened on something like fifteen hundred screens. It only made one and a half million dollars. Wow! <laughs> that took really me forever to do. <laughs> uh, so that's not what we saw this this week, though. Uh, Dingus, what did we see this? Wait, week? wait, wait! Oh, yes, yes. Box office. Or wait, is that later? I forgot. That comes later, right? Jeez, uh, I'm sorry, been I'm doing <laughs> I, I'm a little, I'm a little flu ridden. I might but forget things. The format is still new to you. I understand. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Box office is later. Right. So hold that thought. Ask me about <laughs> that in a moment, Kelly Wan. But for now, Genghis, without spoiling anything that happens in Carrie 2013, tell us what we saw this week. Words than numbers. Words than numbers. All right. This week we saw Carrie. A 2013 American horror drama supernatural remake movie hmm. about a pretty girl who learns to overcome being pretty and strong. Hmm. It was directed by Kimberly Pierce and written by Lawrence D. Cohen, Roberto Aguirre Sacata, uh, based on a novel by Stephen King. Ugh. It stars... Ugh. What's wrong? What's Tom making that noise about? He doesn't think it's a novel. He thinks it's a novella. Hmm. Like that. Uh, it stars Judy Greer. Carrie is rated R. Really? For bloody yeah. violence, disturbing yeah. images, language, no. and some sexual content. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Kellyanne, why are you making those noises? I'm not... That's my review of non-sexual content. Well, hold that non-sexual content. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't rate non-sexual content, I don't think. I was just making noises for no reason. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Cinderella was rated G for no sexual content. That's right. For instance, let, a lot of, a lot of Disney animated movies. Are, I'm going to start listing ratings based on the things that aren't in the movie. Right. The glass slipper wasn't invented yet. There is, uh, for instance... Um, in Tron, there is no there's no shark violence. That's one of the MPA that's a good point, Tom. Yeah. That really does it's very pertinent. Kelly Wand, uh, Carrie K 
came in number three in the box office this weekend. Guess what beat it? What what two movies came in ahead of it? Gravity. Very good. Gravity was number one. By, by the way, holding really strong. Gravity is doing very, very well. Why is it rare that something good makes money? Because usually it's, that doesn't happen. Well, part of what's rare about Gravity is it's not a franchise. It's not a sequel. Uh, and it's it's kicking serious ass for uh, a first-time movie not based on a pre-existing license or IP. Mm, so like the insurance companies. Mm, I don't... Um, more importantly, is this the birth, then, of the Gravity franchise? We mentioned that briefly. If there's a sequel, it would be a post-apocalyptic movie, so we'll see. Gravitize. Yeah. Uh, the number two movie this weekend was Captain Phillips. Mm. And then Carrie came in at number three, barely beat by Captain Phillips. Uh, it made $17 million, which uh, is not that great considering it's a horror movie in October. I imagine the only one. Oh, but did you see the trailer for the Paranormal Activity spinoff movie at Christmas time? <laughs> the, the, the marked ones. It's not at Christmas time. It's January. No, well, that's movie Christmas time. That's that. No, no, that's Christmas Spanish Christmas. It's got Hispanic. You no, know, Christmas is all those Oscar movies. But once you hit that January break there, you're in the dumping ground. Anytime you see a trailer that has the words, this January or opening January, uh, you can deduce a lot from that. So when that guy wrote The January Man, he was he's all right, I'll just start out as low as I can go. Is that a movie? <sighs> I could not believe hey. that was not a parody movie. I couldn't believe it. January Man? No, the uh, Paranormal Activity marked ones. It just looked oh, like yeah. it had. It just looked like a scary movie trailer. Tom's very quiet about it. He's nonplussed. Very thoughtful. I see. Catfish uh, going south. Oh, Tom! Tom actually it's, thought that it was directed by the catfish dudes, and he was, uh, he was upset to find out that it was not because he was going to see it if it was by the catfish dudes. What? They're, they're doing their own. The, they're just, they're doing their own paranormal activity. Like they're still doing, I think five. Oh, so we've is, got parallel paranormals. Well, this is a this is a, a this is very definitely targeted at a certain demographic. It's it's a sort of an offshoot. Um, Describe that demographic using adjectives. <laughs> uh, you could tell by the cast who is supposed to see this movie. It's it's a sort of Hispanic paranormal activity, and you know what? Bless their hearts. I I think they should do that sort of thing. They should go for it. I guess for, for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we also saw though at the same time there was another competing found footage movie that's aimed at pregnant people uh, about <laughs> being pregnant <laughs> of both genders. Wait, so wait, wait, yeah, right? No, that was a different movie. Kelly, yeah, one, it's going to be rabbit test. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting January. We'll just put it that way. Hmm. I like the sound of that. Plus February, too, because uh, isn't that when um, March is oh. Pompeii is coming out? Oh, did you guys see that trailer? Yeah, and I giggled throughout it, and Tom leaned over and said, I think that's by somebody we should watch. So, uh, Tom doesn't know whether to watch it or not. Well, it's a, it's a Paul W.S. Anderson film. And he was- uh, that's the one that's not good, the Paul, of the Paul Andersons. There's no not good Anderson, Kelly Wan. They're just good in different ways. Paul Anderson, if he was a director. Fuck shit up. So let's see, Carrie came in at number three, disappointing for an October mm. release. Let's let's check the critical numbers. 
Uh, if, like Grace Moritz, I was just going to say, it seems like none of her movies make money. Uh, I don't think Kick-Ass 2 did that well either. Uh, and Let Me In was a bomb. Come on, Hugo did great, I'm sure. And Dark Shadows was a bomb. I'm sure Hugo did huge numbers. He's in Hugo? Haha, you haven't seen Hugo. You're not keeping up with your Martin Scorsese, are you, Kelly? You told me not to see it, and I kept saying, let's see it. And then you saw it and went, yeah, I don't see it. And then you constantly mention it. Well, it was best. It was like best picture of the year, or best director, or something. Well, that's, then I'm not interested. Kelly Wan, it stars uh, Asa Butterfield. Look at that. <laughs> so many things to say to that. So if we go to Rotten Tomatoes and we we <laughs> query it for, hey, is Carrie a good movie? Uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes gives you the average rating from various reviews, and Carrie is at 50 on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Why that's do you go never, whoa, Kelly Wan? Because that, that sounds that happened before. You really sounds, don't. Is it a passing grade? Is it a fail, failure? It's like the it, it's it's neither. It's like it's like balanced on the on the the little eaves of a roof, and it could roll either way. It's just perfectly there. Unless it was fine. Wait, I don't know. We'll, so let's let's then check. Uh, Metacritic. I'm sorry. Wait, did right. I screw up? You know what? I screwed that up. That's not its Metacritic rating. Can I take that back, Kelly Wan? Can I, can I expect my woe, you take back everything you said. And we'll start with Dingus. It's not – on Metacritic, it's at 52. I love oh, it. Oh, okay. So that was so – Everything was 50%, yeah. yeah it's, it's 52 on Metacritic. Uh, on Rotten it's the new 49, man. But on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, right there, 50%. Boom. So everyone agrees it's – something <laughs> it's a movie yeah uh, and, uh, and half of them would recommend it which you know well, you should recommend half of it you can do worse walk yeah. out or come in late 50 percent. you could do worse that's what 50 percent means with the yeah. tagline you could, you could do, do worse the color the math the number <laughs> could do worse uh so now every, we have not spoiled carrie for you but going forward i can't guarantee anything <laughs> Kelly Wand, I would like you to spoil Carrie for the listeners by telling them everything that happens in it. Hey, by the way, speaking of spoiling, should I spoil White House Down for you? Yes. White House Down opens with Channing Tatum's daughter. Uh, he has, he's been so busy with his career, he's trying to get in the Secret Service detail for the president, President Barack uh, Fox, you know, Steve Fox and Barack Obama. <laughs> That's uh, what I voted for, for real. It's weird. He's, he's been so busy, Channing Tatum, trying to be hired by the Secret Service that he forgot that it was his daughter's talent show. She's a precocious little 12-year-old girl, and she had her talent show, and her uh, Channing Tatum's ex-wife is berating him, saying, you know, you're a terrible father. Why can't you be there, John Cale? This is his name, John Cale. Why can't you be there for your daughter at her talent show? And he's like, ah, oh, rats, I'm sorry. I've just been so busy trying to be service. Yeah. And he says, well, besides, what was her talent again? What did she do? And, and Stopping bullets. His ex-wife says she was uh, – she, she practiced for weeks uh, on her flag twirling routine. What? Wait a minute, flag twirling. Yeah, and he, that's kind of that's kind of Channing Tatum or John it's Cale. Not that long. I'm not. That's kind the daughter's of name is Sue Collard. So, uh, so that's that's a detail <laughs> we find out early in the movie is that she was at a talent show doing flag twirling. Now, Kelly Wand, 
After that, a bunch of stuff happens. Terrorists <laughs> take over the White House. By the way, terrorists led by Jason Clark from Zero Dark Thirty. Um, they mm. take over oh. the White House. Is that why he left in that movie? Does he, have, any, does he have monkeys? Does he bring monkeys with him? No monkeys are killed in this movie. I can't guarantee that's not going to happen in Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, so, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, so the terrorists <laughs> take over the White House. Uh, Channing Tatum gets trapped in there because he's on a tour of the White House while this happens. He saves President Barack Fox several times. Thank God the economy was going to get fucked. If that didn't the, the two of them do this all this diehard action. And there's a great moment, by the way, where Channing Tatum is fighting a big dude. And, uh, President, that sounds like a good matchup. <laughs> and then President, uh, President Jamie Fox picks up a gun and he's going to save Channing Tatum by shooting the dude that he's fighting. But Channing Tatum, they're struggling around and he's worried that he's going to hit Channing Tatum. He's not sure when he can take the shot. So he has to take out his glasses and put them on before shooting, which is a great detail. Um, but then after much stuff happens, it turns out that the bad guys have prevailed. And now an airstrike is heading for the White House. It turns out that they prevailed. They prevailed, and the White, House, the White House is going to be bombed by these three jets that are coming in. What? That's the plan? And the people are in the White House. The president is there. John Cale is there. John, Cale, John Cale's daughter is there. A bunch of, a bunch of tourists. There's no flags at the White House. A bunch of tourists who are touring the White House are there trapped, and they're going to get killed by this airstrike. But it's what the country has to do. Uh, so that, or, or so the generals think. So what happens is the little girl takes a flag from the Oval Office, runs out onto the lawn of the White House, and twirls the flag to wave uh, off the, the bombers that are coming into Boston. Like idiot for not predicting it. Yeah. So there you go. Wait, what music plays? Roland Emmerich music. Uh, what? That's him? Yeah. <laughs> Ew. I didn't even know that. That could have been anybody until that point. He's contractually ob- obligated to show the White House in every movie he makes. He trashes the White House. He blows up uh, – first they blow up the Capitol building. Uh, so they, they give the, they give Congress the what for before taking it to the White House. It would have been funnier if she done it with the Russian flag. I don't think they had one available. All right, so Kelly Wan, I have now spoiled uh, White House Down. I would like you to spoil for the listeners, Carrie. Give us maybe a synopsis of Carrie. What? That's not what that's called. It has to tie in with... I have no idea what we would call this other than a karyopsis. No. What can you do with it? What is Copsis? it? Copsis? What? What did Dingus Cop- say? Copsis? Oh, Jesus. It's no sense. What have been doing this? What's wrong with you people? Don't you know how my mind works? I thought I'd been very clear. I'm going to say no. Karyopsis, listeners at home, drink. Tom, you got to tell me I've got to drive it like I stole it or I get confused. Kelly Wand, drive it like you stole it. With my mind, <laughs> the male student body of Maine high schools all, ha-ha, look at Carrie White with her shiny red blonde hair, telekinesis, and hotness. What a misfit. <laughs> Ugh, there's a lot of acting involved in writing. <laughs> Since for some reason Carrie forgets to use telekinesis during water polo, she learns about menstruation by huddling bleeding in a shower while gym teacher slaps her, and girls throw tampons at her chanting, plug it up. But one leggy blonde chick is kicking her in the ribs and throwing salad on her with vaguely intriguing reluctance. Carrie goes home. Her crazy mom, Jodie Foster's all, the Bible says you're late. Carrie disputes this forcefully because she knows the Bible even better, except for the parts about menstruation. So her mom locks her in her Harry Potter closet under the stairs. 
and tricks her by Carrie using telekinesis to make a crack at the door. Carrie's all, hmm, so now I bleed from my vagina and can move shit with my mind. Still not sure I believe in penises, though. As a stress test, she tries her telekinesis out on a flag being blown. Not in White House down. <laughs> she also could have saved the White House from being destroyed, by the way. It's her mind. She didn't right, need no. it. Right. Uh, being blown. It's being blown in the same direction by the wind. She's all, wow, it's like I'm a human happening. Her teacher's all, speaking of Shyamalan. <laughs> I have to say, I, I immediately thought that. I, I cannot think of... During that scene? Watch, yeah. I can too. When the wind happens, I can't think of a happening and then think, wow, could this movie be titled that? That's yeah. the stupidest scene of that. And it was in the trailer, too. Like, look at this shit. You get to see a CG flag move. Like, what would that look like? Huh? I've never seen a flag billow in the wind. How much money did they spend on that? Movie, I need to see that. Oh, wait, Captain Phillips' lifeboat, excuse me. Her teachers all, speaking a Shyamalan, come up to the front of the class to read a poem from a book. I guess your homework assignment was to buy a book with a poem in it. Carrie goes up to the front of the class. The teacher makes a fart noise as she sits down and winks at the other kids, but they're all pretty engrossed by the flag. Carrie's all, telekinesis on a white horse by Lord Byron, completed by Christopher Tolkien, uh, illustrations by the third grader who checked this book out last. I float in CG like the night, and this my hair's reddish blonde, not barrow white. I concentrate and squinch my face and make hand gestures of occasional grace. Behold the Camaro I move with my mind if I try. Uh, that chick from Youth and Revolt has glass in her eye. In evolution, my mom's hair looked orange. I bet her boobs felt softer than a door hinge. Meteor shit, quoth Stephen King in a show about creep, and miles to go before I use telekinesis. She shuts the book. The jock boyfriend of the blonde tampon throwers all, that's the best poem ever written in any language. But the teacher throws tampons at her till the bell rings. The youth in revolt chick posts a YouTube video of herself throwing tampons carry on her councilman dad's website. To make it funnier, she types comments under it like, ha ha, chick, I don't know, menstruate it. <clears throat> Tom, you there? Yeah, go ahead. What's your favorite drink? Bloody Mary. Better favorite Sylvester Stallone movie's First Blood. Her favorite popcorn spokesman's Orville Redenbacher. Her favorite movie trailer's that shiny one with the elevators for reasons I think I needn't spell out. And also her favorite kind of rum. Favorite color lightsaber. Faders. Favorite candy Twizzlers. Knock, knock, who's there? Wolverines. She keeps typing till the internet crashes. The next day, the principal and the gym teacher try to nail her on cyberbullying by asking her to look at her phone. <laughs> By asking to look at her phone. But she tricks them. <laughs> she doesn't need to look at it for them to do that. They ask her to show them her phone. She tricks them by them not knowing how to access the internet. Meanwhile, Carrie's gym teacher takes all the girls to a neighboring school's track and field to upbraid them in front of the gardening staff. She's all, that was a shitty thing to do, giving a student free tampons. Those are coming out of your parents' PTA dues, especially you, girl from Youth and Revolt. You filmed yourself doing it and posted it online. I watched it, and your tampon aiming wasn't bad, especially considering you were filming with the other hand. In fact, we'd like to offer you a baseball scholarship. And some film schools are also... The Youth and Revolt chick has her phone out filming all this, but goes, I don't have to take this shit, and switches providers and storms off. The blonde chick makes a sad face... So she suddenly likes Carrie. She gets into the car park beside her. This is on the field, by the way. Um, and starts making out with the poetry jock. She's all, Hey, my bitchy friend accused me of wanting to have sex with you, so I want you to take the chick I threw tampons at to prom. But don't sleep with her. Just tease her all night so she gets hung up on you and the rest of our senior year's eight flavors of awkward. 
He's all sweet. Wait, hey, if she's telekinetic, why does she even need a guy? Hey, maybe she'd give me a mind job. That's not cheating, because she's not touching it, huh? The brain doesn't have teeth, does it? Eventually, he stops saying things. She's all... <laughs> she's all cool. It's settled. Also, Tommy, if you could call me Carrie when we have sex, I think it'd mean a lot to her if she knew. Now, show me how you're going to kiss her. Meanwhile, Carrie comes home and goes, Good news, Mom, I'm not a witch. Look, I checked all these books called Telekinesis out of the school library, and according to most of them, I'm a charlatan. Also, every girl's dream come true, a boy with a cheerleader girlfriend asked me to prom. Julianne Moore's all. Prom's a black Sabbath the devil uses because he owns stock and limo companies. Honey, all boys want us to dust bust our dirty pillows with their hell weasels and spurt their pagan sin sap up all in our yeast Edens. Carrie's all sounds awesome. Meanwhile, since cyberbullying proved too technically complicated, the chick from Youth and Revolt gets old school and breaks into a pig farm. Her boyfriend's that guy from Maroon 5 by way of a Metro Henry Rollins. He's all, okay, pick a pig that looks like Carrie. <laughs> she looks around and finally sees a sow who's blonde and pretty and miscast and telekinetic and goes, her. Her boyfriend's all, pig's blood for the pig. <laughs> See what I did? Since the pig farm's uninhabited by humans, the town has no cops and the school has no security. They manage to kill the pig, get all its blood and buckets, and the buckets up to the rafters above the prom stage without being noticed. Carrie goes to prom. As she and Tommy go down a hallway, she sees the words, Carrie White eats shit and red spray paint on the lockers. The poetry teacher holding a spray paint can leans over to the cop beside him and whispers, That's the one I was just writing you about. For some reason, Youth and Revolt texts Blonde Girl that she's up to something, and for some reason, instead of texting Tommy this, she gets in a car and drives to the gym, and for some reason gets ignored by everyone there, and then shoved out by the gym teacher. <clears throat> the chick from Youth and Revolt and Maroon 5 take turns going, we can't stop now, and drop buckets of blood all over Carrie and Tommy and unveil giant screens playing the tampon throwing video. The principals all still need to see your phone. This will never hold up. <laughs> Tommy's all, hey guys, I had a cool idea for next year's prom. Then an empty bucket lands on his head. The class clowns all, hey look, the prom king just got murdered. Everybody laughs and points at the crime scene. <laughs> That is, doesn't that happen? Never mind. Carrie uses telekinesis, maybe thinking of Zap, to make her make <laughs> There's moments where Kelly just has to tell what happened in the movie. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's. I didn't do any lifting on this one. Carrie uses telekinesis to make everybody trample a couple twins to death. Helps use in <laughs> Parker car at gas station. Comes home soaked in blood, looks at her mom, and goes, Fuck, mom, you were right about prom. It sucked. From now on, I'm going to do everything you say. They hug, and her mom stabs her in the back with a butcher knife. Carrie's all, did you even hear what I just said? Julianne Moore's all, something crazy, honey. Without moving her head or hands, Carrie somehow finds 10,000 scissors and knives in the house, CGs them around her mom in slow motion for no reason, then somehow misses her with all but three of them. Carrie's all, no, I stood up to my mom, and pulls a couple knives out using her hand instead of telekinesis. The blonde girl shows up and goes, Carrie, let me help you, whatever that means. But Carrie kills herself for some reason. Years later, the blonde chick goes to the main cemetery, throws some garbage on her dead boyfriend's gravestone, then goes to Carrie's, lays a plastic flower on it, looks at us, and goes, Careful who you bully. They might have telekinesis. She walks away, and Carrie's ghost reacts to the flower by destroying her tombstone and the earth. 
The end. Yeah, the end. Uh, Dingus, you watched the original Carrie before we saw this. How, how does that hold up? I thought it didn't hold up well until I saw this one. I mean, it's really stunning that Kimberly Pierce was able to make Brian De Palma seem subtle. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't know. You guys don't know what I think yet. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I've just been steeped in '70s horror movies lately, so I have not. I don't think I could sit through the original Carrie. Uh, so thanks for taking the board on that, Dingus. Did you watch I, well, I the think one? It was, I think it was horrible. I thought. I thought the. I thought the original was really bad. But uh, but watching this one, it it's favorable. So it's possible that remaking this movie was just a ploy to market this the uh, Blu-ray of the second one. I don't know. It's just amazing. Uh, and no one here has seen the one with Angela Bettis and Patricia Clarkson, I presume. Mm, no, I, I thought that was a story. Or something. Uh, no, there's a, no, there's a remake. Uh, the rage or something. Is that what you're talking about? No, there is no, a so sequel. Angela, yeah, but Angela Bettis is the woman who played May. She was in The Woman. Uh, and Patricia Clarkson from The Station Agent and All the Real Girls and other things. Uh, she she plays Carrie's mother. So there was a – is this 2002? Okay, yeah. Um, so there's okay. that version as well. Uh, I don't know. None like, of us has seen it. I, I like both of those actresses a whole lot. Um, so who knows? Uh, all right, so Dingus, you thought uh, it made this movie was so bad it made a, a heavy-handed 70s horror movie look good. Uh, yeah, because I thought the characters were more well-balanced and uh, the the action was a little more reasonable and what happens to the character makes more sense and when I was actually watching and luckily I watched the is, I think it's 1976 um, Carrie, I might be wrong about that I watched the first Carrie uh, before going to see this one and I thought there was a lot of ridiculous stuff I thought it was heavy handed sort of symbolism about female sexuality and about males being afraid of female sexuality and that kind of thing. We thought it was, you know, Stephen King doing his normal I'm afraid of women thing. And then I watched this movie and I thought, Kimberly Pierce, you gotta know better than this. Yeah. Uh and I was shocked. I was shocked that it made the Brian De Palma movie look uh like it had nuance. Mm-hmm. Kelly Wand, uh did this work for you, this this remake? Uh do you remember the original that much? Uh no, but I like that. I agree with Dingus. It's like it makes Brian De Palma look like uh, what's that chick who made The Pianist? Jane Campion. Yeah, it makes him look like Jane Campion. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. I hated it, the, and they even fuck up the ending. Like that. There's a really good cat scare at the end of the '76 one. And they added CG to it. Oh, I hate this movie. It's the Dingus, worst what's movie the point ever. Of the, what's the point of the cat scare, which is famous at the end of the original Carrie? Is it just some out-of-the-blue random thing? Because everybody remembers the, the good girl goes to Carrie's grave, and then a hand thrusts out of the grave and grabs her. Is that correct? Well, it's that's kind of a dream, though. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. part, of the, part of the point of that is, is, there, is there's a little bit of the end of Psycho at the end of uh, the original Carrie. It's that... Somebody's saying to their parent, to her parents, "Don't worry, she'll. She's young enough that she'll forget all this in time for the rest of her life, I guess. Because you know we don't remember anything from high school." And then there's this moment where she goes into this weird volcanic lava rock pit, and she gets grabbed by this hand. But then she 
like startles awake from it. So it's it's this it's very weird kind of is it dream is it not dream kind of a thing that's going on with this girl who's going to be messed up for the rest of her life. But the doctors assure ah. her parents that that's not the case. But it has nothing to do with telekinesis, and it's just kind of random. But it's well, still no, well, it's, it's, it's it's the idea that that Carrie's gone to hell and she's coming back, and you know. But that's not in this movie. This movie, oh god, I hate this fucking movie. It's the worst script ever. Come on, ever? Mm, name a worse script than this. Uh, something by Diablo Cody? Didn't she work out this? <laughs> no, I, I, I trolled you with yeah, that. I thought this was the chick who made Jennifer's body, which I think you like too much. Uh, no Tom hasn't revealed how he feels about it yet. No, I like this. I, I like this, even though uh, I, I mean, I certainly agree that it has problems, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, just as a revenge film, uh, I, I enjoy, as a guy who likes horror movies, I like the horror movie. Uh, and there have been a few like this, and I appreciate when they come along, that it just doesn't really care about having dudes in it. You know, I like that this was such a, a, a chick movie. You know, the, the men in this were the only male character who mattered. Even he was absolutely inconsequential. And as far as like having any role, like he was an idiot. He had no idea what was going on. He was oblivious. He gets knocked out. Um, I, I like that this is just a, a movie about watching women act. And some of them uh, are a little... Well, the, the miscasting of Chloe Moritz Grace, I definitely want to talk about. But good Lord, I love watching Judy Greer. I liked what Julianne Moore was doing, even though she was sort of saddled with this thankless, I'm a crazy witch, woo, kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I like the fact that they're, they had this stuff with these ancillary girl characters. Um, and I just still find, even when she's awful, like in Let Me In, um, in Hugo, I just find Chloe Moritz Grace absolutely fascinating to watch. Um, and I have this weird, I, it's almost, <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, like I, I, I freely grant she's, she's incredibly attractive, but I have this weird sort of paternal guard towards that. I, I feel like I've been watching this actress grow up. I, I vividly recall seeing her in 500 days of summer, certainly in kick ass. There's a horror movie called Wicked Little Things, and she's just the most adorable little tiny monkey in that movie. She's she's like the little sister. She's like the Carrie Ann from Poltergeist age, uh, and that's Chloe Moritz Grace, and it's a horror movie about kid zombies. Uh, and she befriends all these kid zombies, and it freaks out her mother and her older sister. Um, so I just feel like I've kind of been watching Chloe Moritz Grace grow up, uh, and it's it's – it, it was stunning, and that's that's what I wrote in my notes. That when she, when the camera f- finally reveals her, when she shows up in this movie, it, she looks freaking stunning, and it's completely out of place. Uh, she's absolutely miscast. I, it, it makes me think that Kimberly Pierce doesn't understand the character. All of that said, I kind of enjoyed this movie about Chloe Moritz Grace in a revenge horror movie that wasn't based on a woman being raped. Um, so <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah, you could have that. That's different. Yeah, that is do, do by that think, standard. It, it, do you think that 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 she does a good job though? I mean, no, I mean, no, I no. I think she. I think this is a horrible choice for her. I think it's a horrible choice to cast her. I think it's a horrible choice that she makes. And I agree with you. I I have I've been step with you about uh, feeling sort of paternalistic about not only her as she grows into being a, a person, but as she grows into being a performer, feeling that her 
her career is being gradually mismanaged, and I think this is a horrible choice for her. So when it was when Chloe Grace Moritz is is in this, I just think she's not any good in it, and I mean I don't think that's necessarily her fault, but I don't I think she's totally wrong for it, and I also think she's overdoing everything she does in it. Is she? Do you think she's good in it? No, not at all. Uh, and and the moment the moment she appeared with just under that 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 flowing blonde those tresses uh yeah. i knew it was going to be a it problem is. you know i did not buy for one second that she's the wallflower she's supposed to be and that that kind of is contingent on making this movie not be awful at times uh and and i will grant too that maybe the movie's awful all i'm saying is that i was fascinated by her and i enjoyed it as a revenge movie even though I don't feel like the fundamental mechanism worked of her being bullied, you know, and, and that's partly on her performance, by the way. Um, and I want to get to that in a second. But I also feel what's going on is I don't, I don't think that Kimberly Pierce is an actor's director. Uh, she she did an amazing thing discovering Hillary Swank in Boys Don't Cry and in marshalling what Hillary Swank could do in that movie. But that's pretty much all that she's done. You know, Stop Loss, which is her other movie after Boys Don't Cry and before Carrie, there's really nothing there. Um, and watching Carrie, I don't even really feel she appreciates, first of all, how inappropriate Gloria Moritz Grace is, but also how to, to capture performances. When we talked about Blue Jasmine, I mentioned a couple of scenes where I felt like Woody Allen is not an actress director. And, 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 and at times, his direction is running counter to this awesome stuff that Kate Blanchett is doing. There, there were similar moments here where I thought she either cut away from something too early or she didn't show us a scene that I really wanted to see um, or there was a transition missing. Uh, so the editing in the, this movie is unbelievably bad. And, 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 and also just how she makes... Uh, how Kimberly Pierce makes Chloe Morris Grace look with all that that hair and those lips. And uh, I, I mean, you can work around that. You can hide that stuff and you can make it play. Uh, but there, I was just was not buying it at one point in this movie ever, uh, because I, I know that high school boys are stupid, but but I also know they're not blind. So, so it never <laughs> right. works for me. Uh, well, that's the problem. I mean, you see a couple of people, uh, a couple of girl, girls in the uh, Chris Harginson posse. There's one girl in particular who's this awkward redhead who's a member of the posse who clearly uh, calls to mind Sissy Spacek. Right. And you're like, okay, that's the girl or some girl like her or maybe some sort of young, weird Lena Dunham character might have worked. But uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is not the character. She's not. She's not going to work at all. This. She's like. Um, oh gosh, what's her, what's her name? Who was in Being John Malkovich? Who we're supposed to see is ugly. Oh, Cameron Diaz, right? Cameron Diaz, who's ugly down. I'm so sick of that uglying down. We're we're so far past that. But they don't now. even try to and ugly her down. They, you're right, it's Tom. They don't try to ugly her down at all. And then when Judy Greer says, uh. "If you do this, if you do that," she's gorgeous. You don't have to do anything to her. And. And I mean, it's fine if you want to say that she's just an awkward person. Okay, but it just doesn't work at all. And then she's not even good. Well, and that's also, yeah. So Kimberly Pierce certainly shares part of the the blame. But the feeling I get from watching Chloe Moritz in this is uh, that that she's a celebrity and she knows she's stunning. Yeah, that's a good point. And that works fine. That's that's totally fine for Hit Girl. But for for something like this – 
you know, this, revenge this is the, drama. Well, that's the thing is this is not the revenge drama that I think it could have been. Instead, it's a really weird revenge drama about a really hot chick who, for some reason, nobody likes and everybody picks on, and she happens to also have telekinetic powers. And and for me, what's contingent about making this movie work is that when the revenge comes around, that it's gratifying. And I really liked that that whole destruction of the prom and the showdown with the car and even the silly stuff with her mom at the end. So for me, even though the characterization was just so weird and it wasn't what it could have been, I just found the revenge aspect of it really gratifying. So for that reason alone and – well, for that reason and just because it was such a female-centric movie, it was about <laughs> watching actresses work with each other. For, the, for those reasons, uh, I liked this. I quite liked this. Can I ask oh. one more question about casting? Sure. Um, and it was something you just said. I mean, you just reminded me when you talked about Hit Girl. And and I know this is unfair, but when I see uh, Carrie, the character, in this particular iteration of the movie coming into her own, I just think I, I already know um, that this actress, she, she embodies strength for me already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already think of her as strong. Uh, so the fact that she comes into some some sort of level of strength and power is no surprise to me. And I know that's not fair. I mean, as, as somebody who's acted before and who sort of champions actors being able to choose different roles and be cast in different things, it's not fair of me to think this. But when when Carrie gets her power, it's no, it's no surprise to me because I've seen Hit Girl. I mean, did you have any of that sense? Um. No, but I don't think you need it. You know, when you see Walking Tall starring Dwayne Johnson, you know he's going to kick everyone's <laughs> ass the moment you see him on screen. So, it is uh, unless it's uh, that movie we watched two weeks ago, Indiana Jones, Mary Sue. Oh, wait. But, but you're right, so Dingus, it, this would have been, I, I freely grant, this would have been a better movie if you had an actor who could do what, what I like to describe as disappearing into himself or herself. And I, I think of some actors who are really good at that. Uh, Casey Affleck's phenomenal in Assassination of Jesse James. You think of Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day. Uh, even Sylvester Stallone does it in Copland. Um, and as kid actors, like I, you know, Cameron Bright in that movie Birth, when you see him sitting in the lobby of this hotel and you see people walking past him and ignoring him, it makes perfect sense. You know, he's an invisible little kid, uh, and 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 he's an amazing child actor who disappears inside of himself. Uh, even uh-huh. Freddie Highmore in that that Bates Motel uh, TV show, I really like what he's doing. Uh, Dingus, I know you didn't like this movie, but I think you'll appreciate the comparison. Uh, Ashley Bell in um, Last Exorcism Part Two, the way she just kind of swallows her personality and 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 just di- disappears inside of herself, almost implodes in a way. Uh, right. That would have made a way better. Carry, and I imagine that's what it's supposed to be like. Um, so I grant you, it could have been better. Um, mm. And 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 you guys t- like. I love the crazy overacting and the gestures and stuff when she's in that blood-soaked prom dress. I mean, by God, just get wacky at this point because we've already – we're not going to have any subtlety or any cool acting moments. So she just gets like weird and unhinged, and I'm okay with that. Like I loved the look of that stuff. Uh, I I just loved how weird and freaky she looked and and just how uncomfortable and overblown it was. Um, I was totally okay with all of that. I like Julianne Moore's face, and I like Portia Doubleday with a face full of windshield, but I hated 
that the that you see survivors afterwards, and that whole class doesn't just burn alive like it does in the book well, and the other movie. Oh, does it in the book? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. like Black Prom. It's like the nine. Like everyone. Oh my god, when that. It was really hard for me to watch that scene, though, after having seen things like uh, we need to talk about Kevin and. I, I just know I don't I don't know if on this end of of the uh, the Columbine sort of arc of the spectrum, having people locked in a gym works as a as an idea of a, a slick horror movie idea as it might have worked in 1976. No, I, I I mean I th- I don't think you need to, I, yeah like I feel if you're gonna make a horror movie I don't think you can then why are you making Carrie I don't understand right right like I, no, I, I, I'm I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's fine it's just that for me it's a, it made me uncomfortable and and I wasn't ready to watch this whole gore fest happen. Well, here's then uh, I'm the opposite because. There were times I, that that shower scene early on was clearly shot at some point where they thought we're going to have a PG-13 movie. And uh, I get the feeling that a lot of what they did in that prom scene, they also were maybe going to see about getting a PG-13. I just wish they'd pulled out the stops a little bit more. Like the, the girl burning in her gown was pretty gory. The twins being uh, trampled was pretty gory. Uh, Portia Doubleday's face in the windshield certainly gory, but I just like I would have liked this sort of Twilight of the Gods, everything burns down kind of scenario, uh, and I think that was a, probably a ratings issue that it wasn't worse than it was. Why would they want a PG thirteen? It's about a chick drenched in blood. Well, well, why? Because it's a girls. It, Kelly Wan, they, this this movie actually did uh, the the majority of the audience for this movie, according to their, their cinema score test screening stuff, uh, was women under the age of 25. That's clearly what this is aimed at is, you know, a girl, a horror movie to appeal to a female audience. Uh, and that's what I think they were hoping Kimberly Pierce. But they read the book. That's who well, made the, the book. The other thing is that in that whole, in the first movie uh, or in the, the Brian De Palma movie, there's nudity in that whole first, that right. whole locker room yeah. scene. And the sissy Spacek, uh, shower room moment is this whole weird slow motion sensual like touching her body and using the soap on herself like she's in another world kind of thing it's it's really surreal and it's there's there's plenty of nudity and the sexuality is very upfront and now we're too apparently we're too I don't know, pure, we're too puritanical for it. No, no, no. It's not that we're puritanicals. That we're making a movie for girls. Like they're making a, a movie to appeal to oh. a, a young female audience. But they can just the girls can watch the '76 one and get more. Well, Nobody's going to watch. Nobody. The girls don't know who anyone is in that movie. They know. They know Judy Greer. They know Chloe Moritz. I mean, this it's is not as good though. Well, that, that's beside the point. I mean, it's a product as a product. What about? For, yeah, I'm really glad that you actually brought that up, Tom, because I was trying to gin up this whole what's with all the puritanicalism that like, we can't have any uh, nudity or the kind of sexuality that we would have had in 1976. What happened now, and that you just said it's it, that you reminded me that it's a product makes a lot of sense. And one of the scriptwriters, by the way, comes from Glee. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, and all this. Soapbox speeches. Like the first time we meet Carrie, she's like, Mom, the Bible doesn't say that. Like she's already standing up to her. She's not. Yeah. It's a vanity piece. Well, it's not. I'm really glad you brought that up, Kelly, because in the, in the first one, there's none of this, uh, you know, Carrie saying, That doesn't say that in the Bible, Mama. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just. In the book, she's not even smart. She's like dumb and fat. Like she's right. the. The kid, everyone. But this is like the fair and balanced version. Well, we have to say, no, Christianity is also, you know, God is also good. He doesn't say any of these things. Mom's wrong. But in the, in the 76 version, it's very much like, this is, this is the truth. 
this is how I'm presenting it, and that's that. But in this version, uh, Carrie has to say, uh, no, the Bible doesn't say that, and God is good. It's, it's, I think First the movie appearance. has to make a point about that. It's very funny. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I liked some of those scenes because I, even though, like I said, Chloe Moore's Grace terribly miscast, but fascinating to watch. Julianne Moore and Judy Greer know what they're doing, and they, I loved what they were doing. Uh, Judy Greer, I, good lord, I, I, she's just so amazing. She, I love her. She she's would, she so would just come in every moment she's on screen. She's so present. She's taking control. Just even with a simple line like, like really, Henry Juice. Like all of those bits <laughs> were fantastic. I love that she let herself look like a real woman. Like those, these unflattering shorts made her butt look big when she's in her dress. You know, her dress is completely unflattering to her shoulders. Um, Julianne Moore's sort of witchy hair and her skin. Uh, I, I loved what those two actresses were doing um, quite a bit. But they're not in it that much. That's like two minutes of the movie, and the rest of it's... Uh, you say they're not in it that much. Cyberbullying. I don't know about screen time, Kelly Wan, but they're both clearly these sort of opposite ends that, that Carrie's trapped between, and you try to they help her in different ways. They have no um, good dialogue either. The script's terrible. Terrible. Um, I thought, uh, Very distracting, I thought. How, how did From, you like it, Kelly Wan, when the, the young male ingenue rolls out this little flowery piece, uh, to the devil with false modesty? What'd you think of that? That he talks uh, that way all flowery. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's why he likes her poetry. I like, I did like their exchanges a lot, except when he came out with that little bit, I was like, how does he know how to talk that way? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you liked him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I loved him. He's he, he so was just, horrible. Oh my god. I know. That's what so I loved horrible. about him. I know. That's he's a he's a he's an idiot. Like he's a clown character. I loved that about him. I don't him. know what what where he came from. He's not. This is the only movie he's ever done. He's terrible. He's absolutely horrible. And he's. I don't know what Kimberly Pierce is up to because she likes every scene horribly. She likes the scenes with him particularly terribly. The lighting in this movie is amazingly bad. Uh, is it? I, I mean, and he's terrible. What the heck? <laughs> Dingus has issues with the lighting of the male ingenue. Yes, I think he's horribly... So, in that scene where he goes to her house to ask her to prom, the lighting and the, the framing of that scene is unbelievable. It's You watch it and you're like, am I watching a composite of something that will later appear in a video game? And when his limo pulls up, it's very clear that they have a spotlight shining on his head. What is going on? The, the he's lighting, the prom king. And he's, he's horrible! He's oh. horrible! Tom, ah! Tom liked him. I, I did. I, I, I he reminded me of uh, he reminded me of Mark Ruffalo. Like he's a he's a, a young pre-career Mark Ruffalo getting his first role. What did you drink tonight before you saw this movie? <laughs> I had you're, some pumpkin tea. Just in the best mood <laughs> that you'll see. Ah, oh, damn! You know what? You're an easy mark when it comes to the chick wars. Well, well when it comes to a twist watching on horror movies every day, all month. Well, yeah, and when it comes, I mean, I, that's actually not that unusual for me in any month. But <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. When it um, when it comes to a horror movie that does something different and that is gratifying in the end for me, that that's rare enough that I appreciate it. Uh, and that's you know, I, it's the same kind of thing with uh, Last Exorcism Part Two. There were some horrible things about that, but I was fascinated by Ashley Bell, and I loved how gratifying it was in the end. And those are things you almost never get in a horror movie. It's a fascinating performance and a, and a meaningful payoff or, or at least one that works for me um yeah so well, well that you have a good actress saying that and in this you have chloe mortz going oh man i killed my mom fuck 
Well, but, so I'm, there's a difference, Kelly Wan, between just a bad, boring actor. Like, for instance, the bottle blonde, that girl. And by the way, yeah. Dingus, do you know where we recognized her from? I I honestly have no idea. We recognized her. And this, I, don't, I don't think this has ever happened to me, but I'm almost certain this is what happened. Dingus, we recognized her from the trailer for Endless Love. <laughs> oh, no way! That, that can't be true. Yep, okay. that is her. I, like I've got a. Hey, she's the lead. On my she's the she's the new Brooke Shields the, in the Endless the... Love reboot. Yeah, uh, and we saw the trailer for that beforehand, and we're we're laughing at it. And so then the movie comes on, and I'm watching Carrie, thinking, "Where have I seen that blonde actress before? That's me? weird." Uh, but she was. So I will grant. They're, they're, they're like they're they're, they're make, remaking Endless Love. Who would yeah. do that? Uh, Bruce Greenwood. That's who. Uh, but I will grant you, Dingus, for instance. <laughs> What's happened? I, I, will, I will grant you that that blonde actress was terrible, and that is normally what you get in a horror movie. Someone who is conventionally attractive like her and who just has no person – who's just flat as could be. Uh, who's, and, and so the fact that someone is fascinating as Chloe Moritz Grace, who, yes, might be terrible, <laughs> but good lord. Look what she's surrounded by. <laughs> Therefore, so, so I would argue that that girl was better than Chloe Grace Moritz was. I mean, I honestly think that the things that she's doing, and I, I, and I would, I will happily lay this at the feet of uh, at the feet at the feet of Kimberly Pierce. That stuff yeah. that she's doing in the in where she's contorting her body and doing all that silly tele- telekinesis stuff, I think it's horrible. <laughs> I don't think she's any good in this. I think that the the vacant blonde girl is better. Whoever the, she, blatant, blonde, yeah, the, blatant, she, the vacant blonde girl doesn't really have to do much, uh, but I got no sense that I would want to watch her as the lead in anything. I, no, I never I, felt I, that I, while I was totally watching. Agree. You're right. About that. I think we can all agree, though, that Portia Doubleday kicks some serious ass. Yeah? The Veronica yeah, Cartwright makeup, lookalike? Her makeup is so horrible, I feel terrible. <laughs> well, she's got a... I, I really did think she looked like Lindsay Lohan, and I never thought I would say that about someone who normally looks like Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> She even had bad dialogue. Like, she could have been the best character in the movie. She, Kelly Wan, she, she, she takes Lee in Killing the Pig. What do you think of that? Yeah. Mm, you don't see it. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things that, where I'm, uh, actually all along I thought, okay, this movie isn't that great, but I'm really enjoying it. So at the end, we have the, the promise destroyed, Carrie's dead, the house. I always like it, by the way, when something operatic happens at the end and Carrie pulls a house down on top of herself. Bravo, way to go. If you're going to go, that's the way to do it. Uh, but then we get to this denouement with the blonde girl, uh, and, and we cut to a scene of her giving some sort of testimony. And Kimberly Pierce has some random dude asking a question, and we take a shot of the random dude, and there's a big old nameplate right in front of the screen that says Stuart Murphy. And, and, and why do you put letters that bit? Like, that makes everybody in the audience think, Wait, who's Stuart oh, Murphy? Stuart Murphy. Yeah, like, I was like, was why are we putting why are we putting the nameplate of whoever this congressional investigator is or whatever it is? Why are we putting that front and center of the screen? You know, Wait, why am I supposed to know? It was Stuart Murphy, Kelly Wand. Stuart Murphy. Yeah. Well, again, why I get married to's license plate. What was that like? I can't believe you remember. You're taking license plates in that. No, when he pulls out, it like pulls right in, so you get like a good close up of it, and then ah. way again. But it's like that's, ten seconds. But that's character development, as opposed to Stuart Murphy. We don't need his character development. Nobody knows who he is. Why is Stuart Murphy figuring into the finale? Well, Heather Thomas would have been the perfect carry. Uh, one two three, wow. Everybody loves you.
You know who I, I would like carry? No, I can find no credit for him, but that was Hart Bachner, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, wait a minute. I, why would you we not be able to find a credit for him? Because we both laughed when that happened. I guess. Yeah, he's not, there's no credit, not even an uncredited. I couldn't find anything. But I'm, that's a Hart no, that's Bachner. That's got to, but no. Yeah, that's totally Hart Bachner. It's totally Hans Booby, yeah. As Murphy. <laughs> that would have been great. No, he was Portia Doubleday's father in the in the office. Like he was uh, immediately recognized to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I thought I was going crazy. Uh, uh, I will bet that that one of the fan that Carrie would be appreciated by Britney Spears. So you liked Jennifer's body and Carrie, just to be clear, Tom. Okay. Now what I will say, Kelly Wand, is that yes, A and B. I think that the liking of Jennifer's body is less unusual than the liking of Carrie. I think you'll find a lot of horror fans appreciate Jennifer's body. I didn't like Jennifer's body, and Carrie's the worst. So now I don't know what. <laughs> I like the I like to the liking of Jennifer's body as a title, by the way. The liking of Jennifer's get a load of dingus, Kelly. Wand. He's never even seen Jennifer's body. No, that's true. Yeah. The only Amanda Seyfried movie he's seen is probably that thing with uh, that Little Red Riding Hood thing where Gary Oldman puts the dude in the elephant's stomach. Oh, yeah. Let's watch that. <laughs> That's, uh, no, no. Who's it? It's another female director, isn't it? Isn't it? I want to say it's like uh, uh, Catherine Hardwick. Is that right? It was um, – wait. Who's the Twilight authoress that I had signed the Anne Rice novel in Vancouver? Remember that? <laughs> That was the greatest thing I ever did in my life, Tom. Wait, what? I don't believe I know this anecdote. I told you this. I have to have told you that. That's the greatest thing I've ever done. I made, um, wait, what's the Twilight girl's name? Are you talking about uh, the actress? Stephanie Myers. Oh, yeah, Stephanie author. Myers. That's she was doing a book signing in Vancouver, and I had her sign an Anne Rice book, and she gave me a weird look. Yeah, I thought you were making that up. I'm glad that you oh. called that back. It was the last Monday in... I was in Vancouver, and it was. How could you get for that on eBay? That's got to be worth a fortune, Kelly Wand. I have to have told you that. There's no way. I was so excited when I did it. It was the best feeling, and then I feel terrible. <laughs> but getting back to Heather Thomas, and now let's do a three by three. What is our three by three this week? Uh, these are your favorite scenes of shopping. Hmm. Hmm. And was anything taken off the table, like Confessions of a Shopaholic? Nothing was taken off the table. You can you can shop to your heart's content. Shop to drop. Well, since Kelly Wand is uh, is introducing next week's three by three, Kelly Wand, why don't you start us off with your number three favorite example of shopping in a movie? Okay, I don't know if I did the topic right, but in my number three favorite, which is unusual, so my favorite and third in the movies that would be in my choices is Animal House when John Belushi's like in the cafeteria, like snarfing shit, like cello and stuff. It's not shopping. I thought you were going to say when, uh, not Tim Allen, Tim, uh, who's the actor, when the guy is buying cucumbers in front of the dean's wife. That's my number two, you fuck. Oh, <laughs> shut up. It is not. It is. All right. It, all the ears are from Animal House? Uh-huh. Uh, no, I ran out. I know. <laughs> no, you know what? That's good because I you owed me a few of those, so I'm glad you did that. So Animal what? House is three and two of my shoppings. And is number one from Animal House as well? No, I ran out of shopping sequences. Thing is, what do you think of Kelly Wand uh, picking Animal House for his number three and number two pick? It's a movie about shopping in the '60s. I don't really even know what he's talking about with the first one. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, Food fight is shopping. Snarfing is not shopping. That would, well, you, if you want to choose your favorite snarfing scene, he's, he's moving a tray down alongside food, which is what how shopping looks to the. Uh, that is dining. Eye. That's dining. 
Well, he has Kelly, a, I, he now, has I don't, dining. I don't, that's fine. Kelly might have a point when you eat at a cafeteria, there is, a, it, it is sort of like About shopping. Say. It's not in a way. I mean, I think it's a horrible pick, but I can terrible see Kelly pick. Wan's rationale. It's an absolutely terrible pick, but, you know, it's Kelly. What are you going to do? It's, right. it's well, here's Kelly. what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to break it a little bit as well. So my number three, um, now we, so this is a podcast that's hosted on Quarter to Three, and Quarter to Three is a video gaming site, as, as I'm sure all the listeners know. Z-Bone. He ran away again. Sorry. <laughs> Sound like he had the flu. He's rabbiting. Uh, so when you are in a video game and uh, you are looking at the different equipment that you've picked up, say in Diablo 3 or World of Warcraft or Guild Wars or whatever, when you are looking over the equipment you want to use, we describe that often as shopping, as in, dude, stop shopping. You know, let's let's play already because somebody's spending too yeah. much time in their inventory screen or whatever. Get out of town and come to Act 3. The, the, exactly. Right. So now this is from a movie, but this is the movie equivalent of that kind of video game shopping. I didn't do this with all of my picks, but this particular one is not technically shopping. The person is not buying anything, but he's looking over inventory for something specific. And I'm going to give you guys the inventory items, and then you guess the movie. So the inventory items are a hammer, a baseball bat, a chainsaw, and a ah, sword. I almost picked that one. That's a great one. Is that shopping? Yeah, because he's going to pick one. Yeah. Dingus, are you okay with that? So this is Bruce Willis having a... He's not going to pay, program. though. Uh, uh, he's not going to pay. He's already paid. He's paid up front. Wait, he's going to pay back. Are you telling him about Pulp oh. Fiction? So in Pulp Fiction... Uh, he's when, not oh, I thought it was on the dead. No, come on. Stop. What? That's not shopping? I, I just, thought it was I just, shopping. Yeah, plus selecting. Just he's selecting what he's going to take. That's well, but shopping. With, with shopping selecting. Shopping's like putting what you select in a, in a cart. Okay, Does so, that have a cart? So, so in... Okay. Yeah. Kelly on here, I can sell so loot, I had a tray, so, which is like a cart without loot, wheels. So looting is shopping. It's yeah. not looting. Oh, my God. Dingus. That's what – see, that tells you what Dingus thinks. Yeah, no, if you go into a store and pick what you want market. without paying that – okay, good. All right, let me – Kelly Wan, watch this. Watch this, Kelly Wan. I'm going to sell him in a little different way. Dingus, <laughs> how about this? How about in that scene, because Bruce Willis could leave, how about if he's taking moral inventory? Ah, sweet. He's shopping for souls. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Like he could leave or he could go down and rescue uh, Marcellus Wallace and redeem himself. Oh, yeah. great. He's shopping for the next scene too, the next movie scene. And by the way, I don't I can't think of any example where you're rooting around in a pawn shop because that's what it is that isn't called shopping. Yeah, that's called a pawn shop dingus. Uh, it is. All right. Shop. That's a good point actually. It's the only shopping scene I can think of where it actually does build and like the last thing he picks is the best thing while as i don't want to spoil tom the number two but <laughs> you just go radiated to pulse it's not as exciting all right well my other two are more conventional shopping dingus so you'll see but i, I just really like that scene oh. it, and it does remind me of in, in diablo when you're looking over your weapons like which weapon do i want oh look at this awesome look at this awesome sword it's 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 a blue item yeah does deckard kane identifying Count as shopping, Dingus? Kelly Wan, that's my number two. <laughs> Dingus, give us a line from your number three favorite example of shopping. I don't. Uh, this is really, this is so mundane based on what the two of you have chosen. Uh, oh, he hates a moment. No, no, I love you. I love Who's stupider, me or Tom, so far? No, I'm, I'm the stupidest because this is just a girl taking milk from, from the case of a convenience store. And this is what, uh, this is what inspired the topic. And this is when um, 
when the little girl in Leon the Professional goes to get milk for Leon. And she says, I'm going to go shop for milk. Uh, I'm going shopping. Um, do you want uh, one quarter, two? You want two. And then she goes to the store to get milk. And the reason I like the scene, I mean, it's nothing. It's it's a frame of her taking milk from the case and then the later frame of her leaving the store. I mean, these are just moments. But the, the reason I love the scene is because it makes the whole plot of the movie work. And this particular movie is because that's when Gary Oldman and his ridiculous band of idiots uh, come and blow up her apartment. Uh, But I just loved that moment when I had to watch Leon again because we had to watch a Luc Besson film, unfortunately, lately, uh, when she goes and she goes shopping for him. I mean, it's just such a sweet little moment uh, because there's this great little moment of connection between the two characters when he gives uh, there's two little moments of grace where she where he gives her his handkerchief and then she says uh, I'm I'm going to go shopping you need milk right you want uh, you want one quart you want two two quarts right and then she goes and she goes and picks up milk for him and because she's doing that and she's going down to the convenience store to go shopping for him uh, she doesn't get killed <laughs> so there you go. I vastly prefer later in the movie when they go shopping for a new apartment. Mm. Or a plant that they can spray. Tom, he's being mean to me. I wish there was a movie called Gary Oldman and His Ridiculous Band of Idiots. <laughs> I would see that. There is. It's called Leon. Oh, good. Okay, I'll see that instead. Wait, they have quartz in France, too. Mm, good point. Kelly Wan, what is your number two favorite example of shopping in a movie? Shoplifting the meat. In oh, wait, we know. He hooks up with the cashier, and then he gets a lot of free meat, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> They're also shopping for girls when he goes to the – when they go to the sorority, and then um, – Isn't it in a uh, – is it called – is it Bronx Tale where somebody's shoplifting meat in his pants and someone stabs him in the leg? Is that – Bronx Tale, does Chaz Palminteri stab somebody in the leg who's been shoplifting meat? Is that the one with feeble? Bad Grandpa. Neither of you knows. Okay, well, here's a quote from my number two favorite example of shopping. You ready? Oh, so Kelly Wan, yours was Animal House. We got that, right? Yeah. Okay, here's a quote from my number two. Ready for this? Mm -hmm. Single malt, 16-year-old, dark, full flavor, warm, not aggressive, peachy aftertaste, takes out the fire but leaves in the warmth. Hmm. It's definitely not Rita Moreno. <laughs> I thought Dingus might get this one. Oh, what? In that case, I'm going to say Matthew Mooding. <laughs> so uh, in in this scene, Vision imagine quest. imagine that these lines are being delivered to Killian Murphy, and he couldn't care less about what is being said. And the person reading, actually not even reading it, he knows this. He's looking at a bottle of whiskey or scotch or bourbon or whatever you call what he's talking about and he's reading he's explaining to Killian Murphy why he wants that particular bottle I don't know what you're talking about no dingus oh okay so here's the deal in any zombie apocalypse or any apocalypse uh, the fact that stores are no longer manned by anyone you can go into any store and just shop and and I think there are entire movies isn't there Night of the Comet isn't Night of the Comet Kelly Wand about a bunch of girls that go shopping at the mall yeah and certainly in, in Day of the Dead. That's Dawn what I said Dead. your number two was. I guess your number two, right? Well, certainly mm-hmm. in Dawn of the Dead, there's stuff where they're running around the mall doing stuff. But my favorite shopping scene in a post-apocalypse is in 28 Days Later, uh, 
when they're leaving London, they finally put everything together, they're getting out of town. And, and what I love about that scene is it's the first time in the movie where you can relax and, and kind of breathe and where there's a yeah. little optimism allowed. And that, that's, that so ties into this kind of joy of shopping that we feel as consumers. But it's also such a relief at this moment. And you see the characters laughing and smiling. Uh, Naomi Harris is, is is making jokes with the girl, and Brendan Gleeson is describing to Killian Murphy why not to take this scotch bottle, but to take this one. Uh, and they're all running around with the carts uh. and filling them up with stuff. And there's a great shot, too, of – because when they come in here, by the way, for whatever reason, this shop has not been looted. And all the store shelves are full of colorful things, but there's this great shot, and Danny Boyle knows how to do this – of a row of produce, all of it rotted, you know, and uh, there's the joke where it gets to some apples that are still good that Brendan Gleeson wants to take. But there's this just the camera goes down this long row of rotted produce in this otherwise beautifully appointed and stocked uh, supermarket. Um, and what I realized rewatching this, there's a really weird scene in 28 Days Later where they're driving uh, – and they drive past some flowers in the foreground. And in the background, you see Brendan Gleeson's taxi cab driving along the freeway. And for some weird reason, uh, uh, Danny Boyle has painted the flowers in the foreground with a kind of an oil painting texture. It looks almost like a Photoshop filter or something. Um, and I never knew what to make of that scene, and I still don't. But it is noteworthy that that scene immediately follows the joy of shopping. If we then go to this kind of impressionist painting of them driving out into the countryside. Um, well, and then after that, it's when he buys it, isn't it? It's like the last... Well, there's a little while. They have they picnic. They have some sort yeah. of stuff in the wilderness, uh, yeah, in the ruins, and he has a dream of being abandoned. Uh, and then, you know, and, and it, it's it's this sort of very upbeat part of the second act. And then Brendan Gleeson uh, gets hit in the eye with the blood. Yeah. But he also... He sees the apples that are radiated, and he's all, "Oh, radiated, good." So and he takes it, like friend, right? And he takes it. It's in his, uh, it's in his shopping cart. Yeah. So it's like the other zombie movies. Radiation makes them, but in this zombie movie, it makes the the apples. Very good, Kelly Wan. And what do the apples represent? Um, zombies. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kelly Wan. The answer I was looking for uh, is sin. Fuck. Carries <laughs> at my head. Give us a line from your number two favorite shopping in a movie. It's like your mom screwed up hers. All right, here's a line from my number two choice. And by the way, I love your number two. That's that's a great choice, Dante. Um, um Yes, Kelly? My number two is cool. <laughs> Yours was great. Uh, yeah. I can't tell you how much I love that choice. Uh, Kelly, your number two choice was as good as the movie, the remake of Carrie. Oh, with Angela Bettis? Thanks. <laughs> My number two is a movie that's not as good as your number two. Hmm. For that before. Yeah. All right. Here's a quote from it. He wants the black man. <laughs> hmm. It's got. Is it? It's so something with slaves. It's got to be that Amistad thing. Or Django. Oh, maybe it is Django and Chain. Django and Chain or like, Amistad. Those are our guesses, Dingus. Are those Dingus's? Wait, this is Dingus's number one or two? two. Yeah, this is my number two. Okay, so it's a silver metal shopping scene. Uh, so the, the the dialogue kind of goes. He wants uh, I want the black. Oh, he wants it black. Then we'll, then we'll paint it in black. We we'll get a paint. We'll, we'll get the wonder. We'll paint it in black. We'll get it painted in black. No, I want the black man. Oh, he wants the black man. No, you can't have that. No. Sounds like he was doing some Charles Grodin from Midnight Run. Uh, it's definitely not Fargo. 
no one black in it. Um, Tom, what is sure. it? It's, it is Frank Whaley and Career Opportunities. Close. It's from a movie called The Toy. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm an idiot. <laughs> well. And it's when Master Bates goes <laughs> shopping for his birthday. And uh, he gets to choose anything he wants in the store. And Richard Pryor is testing out the Wonder Wheel. And uh, he chooses uh, Richard Pryor. That's what he wants. He goes shopping, and what he chooses is the janitor, the night janitor, because, it's, of course, the store is closed for the night. He's going to pick whatever he wants from his father's uh, toy store. He's going to pick the phone on the janitor's desk. Right, but he picks the janitor, and so he wants the black man. And it's that little moment where uh, all of these uh, lackeys decide that they're going to pay Richard Pryor to come home with this little white boy. It's a terrible movie, but I just love that moment. Isn't is Robin Williams? I thought that was a Robin you Williams like movie. That's toys. No. That's toys. They couldn't oh, afford that's Robin a, Williams. That's Barry Levinson's toys. This is right. Okay. Okay. Toy. That is my confusion. All right. Uh, who's is anyone else famous in this? Sure, Jackie, Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason. It's the grandpa. He plays U.S. Not U.S. Um, and that blonde, big boobs. And uh, who's the villain? I don't. Right. I get it mixed up with Brewster's Millions and California Suite. I have no idea. I just know that Scott Schwartz, I think, plays the Master Bates, the little boy. I can't remember his first name. He was in Kidco, where they make manure. Like they do. Kelly Wan, do you have anything that can top the toy as a pick for best shopping scene in a movie? Uh, Frankenhooker. Go on. Describe. I don't. I don't oh, oh, he's shopping for. Uh, I just assume you knew what I meant. Well, is, that a, is that that Henlin Hotter fella? Yeah. Okay. It's that guy. You mean the, the actor? The, the basket case director, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's not quite as epic as basket case. It's more about science. But um, he goes shopping for prostitutes because he's going to make a, a super one out of parts of them. And uh, they're all hooked on this drug called uh, Squeak, I think. Three by three, best names of drugs. And uh, so he checks off the body parts that he wants, like the one buttocks okay. So he checks that one with the X on the other one, and then later that's like a check off his gun. You go, oh wait, that's the buttock of the of the murderess. So he solves a, a crime that way. Kelly one, can you say his last? Is it Henenlotter? Henenlotter. Frankenhooker. No, the director, Frank Henenlotter. Am I doing yeah, right? Henenlotter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, should Dingus see some of his movies? Mm. Mm. <laughs> should I see his it? movies or uh, Nicole Holof Center's movies? Holof Center. Did y'all watch Basket Hall. Case one night on a slow night? Dingus has never seen Basket Case. That is not for Dingus. Dingus mm. will see Martyrs and uh, Human Centipede before he'll see Basket Case. I predict. Oh, there's some good shopping scenes in the second Human Centipede. <laughs> that was that was Dingus's impression of Fozzie Bear. My number one choice of shopping in a movie, I'm going to give you guys a line from it. Sometimes there's a man, sometimes there's a man, ah, hell, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, (laughs) Uh, So this is a shopping scene that I love because of how awesomely it introduces the characters. The first time we see the character, he is examining two cartons of half and half in a Ralph's. Uh, he opens one, he smells it, he smells it again, he drinks it, and then we cut to a scene of him in front of the board checkout lady writing a check 
for the carton of half and half? And Kelly Wand, what is the amount that he is paying on that check for the carton of half and half? Twelve cents. Sixty-nine cents. Ah, I get it. It's the opening of Big Lebowski. Uh, and what I'd forgotten is how it segues from uh, the, the voiceover um, uh, of a tumbleweed blowing through the desert. And then Jeff Bridges strolls on screen with the same kind of aimlessness and pace of the tumbleweed. And he's just kind of walking down the aisle of Ralph's in a robe and sandals and his sunglasses and his belly hanging out of a white T-shirt. Uh, God, I just love that as the introduction to a character. Oh, that's uh, great. And why does he why does he drink half and half? Like, I don't do people do that? I don't understand that. I, you know what? Maybe it ties into his it's a period like, piece. Well, no, I'm just it's just now occurring to me he likes white Russians too. Yeah, right. That's, Everything that's white. That's the point. That's why he's. <laughs> but the, so that's why he's drinking half and half, right? right. Uh, oh, and I do know people who drink half and half. It, it is a thing. Oh gosh, yeah. What's yeah, it I taste like? I can't go any higher than two percent. It tastes like uh, milk, but more. Two percent of half and half, Tom. What is that? You're the math guy. <laughs> Twelve. Twelve. No, I can do this. Hold on. Two hundred and fifty is. Let's do a pledge drive to figure. One. One. It's one, isn't it? Obviously. <laughs> All right. Finally, so uh, my number one then is uh, is of course Big Lebowski, the dude's introduction. That's Dingus, what is your number one pick for a favorite shopping scene? All right. Here's a quote from it. Hey, just what you see, pal. Good Lord, Dingus! If you if you if I can't do Pulp Fiction, you can't do that because he uh-huh. does not pay. He does not pay for those weapons. Nobody. He does not pay. He shoots Frank Miller and he steals the weapons. Oh, the spirit! And furthermore, Dick Miller. Dick Miller isn't the guy's name. Of paying for them. Dick Miller bring any money into that store. Right. Absolutely. He also doesn't. What about taking clothes off of Bill Paxton? Is that shopping? <laughs> What about well? Depends the on the county. When, when he takes his little Nikes or Adidas's or whatever they are. Well, he does. Oh, you know what? Is that the scene I'm thinking of where somebody holds shoes to the bottom of his foot that I've yeah. been thinking about well, for a long yeah. time? Yeah, that might be actually. That's shopping. He's no, like, you know, he doesn't hold them to the bottom panic, of his foot. I don't think. I think panic device. And yeah. resurrection. I uh, Kelly, one. I'm pretty sure Dingus changed his number one pick just because he was mad at us. Lost boys. I'm trying to watch Lost Boys. Um, Bad Grandpa. No, I love this this scene. This is my this is my favorite shopping scenes from the Terminator, of course. And it's oh uh, yeah, that's not shopping. He's uh, he's going through all the guns in the pawn shop, and he's very oh that part. He knows his product. He he knows his guns, and he shops for them, and he tries them out. He even uh, demonstrates one of them, um, and so yeah, uh, just what you see, pal. And that actor's name is Dick Miller, I'm pretty sure. You, said Frank, you said Frank Miller. Uh-huh. I know, that's a dude who does comic books, I think. Yeah. I <laughs> Tom always has those in his head. There's a video game that just came out that I don't know much about, but uh, I've been told it's one of these cool arty games you should play. It's called the Stan Lee Parable. And whenever somebody says the name, I think of the, the Stan Lee Parable, as if it's about Stan Lee. Wait, what do you mean? And then he makes some awful cameo in the middle of the pair. Dingus, do we have any uh, listener submissions? That's a good one, by the way. Dingus' number one's really good. All right, thanks. Uh, Yes, we have a few. Uh, We're going to start with Paul Weimer. Uh, Hi, guys. Decided to avoid some of the obvious choices in my favorite shopping moments. Uh, So, number three, in Joe versus the Volcano. Hmm. 
As part of his preparations for his voyage to the South Seas, Joe, played by Tom Hanks, gets outfitted not only in some snazzy clothes, but the best steamer trunks ever made, which you even get a callback at the end of the movie. All right. I don't remember him buying them. I don't even know what steamer trunks are, but okay. They're things that you put uh, all... It's, the, it's what you used to travel with back in the 20s or whatnot. What's snazzy, it's man? Big old huge trunk. Um, snazzy, yeah. Volunteers was on the other night. Number two in Night of the Comets. <laughs> ah! The two sisters, Regina and Samantha. Can we get a Kelly Wan growl for Catherine Stewart? Mm-hmm. Kelly mm-hmm. For who? Catherine Who's the Mary actress? Stewart? Catherine Mary Stewart, you mean? Catherine Stewart and oh. Kelly Maroney. <laughs> hey, we can get a mini growl. You, you get the eighties. I was, couldn't do it yet. You get a gruff. All right, memorably engaged so in some clothing shopping therapy in the wake of the death of the most of humanity, until some comet transformed stock boys show up to ruin the fun. Especially memorable for then having a running gun battle between the stock boys and the sisters in the store. The whole movie's shopping, isn't it? And not commenting. Uh, number one, in 28 Days Later, mm. as the survivors shop, in quotes, in the grocery store for supplies, Brendan Gleeson Frank sniffs <coughs> a crate of unspoiled apples, the only fruit not rotten in the entire place, and says with mem- memorable satisfaction, mmm, irradiated. Not obvious, uh, Tom. And by the way, they do pay. Brendan Gleeson leaves a credit card on the, the counter as they're pushing their shopping carts through the checkout lanes. It's expired. So they do pay. You don't know that. You don't know that. We don't is it his pay. credit card? I'm pretty sure it is. Why would he be carrying someone else's credit card, Kelly Wong? That makes no sense. Because um, you kill the zombies and you just take their money. Zombies don't carry any money. Oh, yeah. I've looted all kinds of zombie bodies in my career, Kelly Wong. I don't think I've ever found one still carrying cash. They carry bullets. Uh, they might carry salvage items, uh, but I don't think they just carry cold. Why do they carry bullets? So you can shoot them. It's, oh. a courtesy. it's a courtesy they extend to you. Okay, that makes sense. I'm a little unclear on the um, credit card. Well, all I know is that Paul Weimer is absolutely right. That is a great shopping scene. It's not obvious. By the way, they shop at a place called Budgeons. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? <laughs> That's every England store has Can a Can you say that in an accent, Tom? Budgeons? Thank you. Very good. I'm going to go get some new knickers at Bungeons. All right. Next we, next we have Jeff Sweet. Oh. Hey there, guys. Here are my three picks for favorite shopping scenes. Number three, No Country for Old Men. Anton Chabot oh, takes a trip man. to the pharmacy. Well, he, he, chooses, oh, two, he chooses the ones that I don't want. But anyway, uh, three, <laughs> No Country for Old Men. Anton Chigurh makes a trip to the pharmacy. And he doesn't pay, by the way. Again, not paying for what he's shopping for. Right. Well, he's so window like, shopping. Well, the, the one he doesn't choose is the one where he pays. Uh, number two. Wait, uh, wait, hold on. When does he pay? What are you talking about? He blows up stuff so people go look at it, and then he just takes what he needs to fix his leg. Yeah, but I think the best shopping moment, and I didn't even think of it, is when he's in the convenience store. <laughs> is it shopping when you pay for your gas dingus? No. Well, he's also shopping for that <laughs> snack that he buys. And he's yeah, also whatever those corn the guy's are. fate. Josh Brolin shops See, for... Kelly Wan, get a, get a loaded dingus talking about shopping for the guy's fate. He's very particular. I can't shopping. use taking moral inventory <laughs> in Pulp Fiction, but he can use shopping for the guy's fate in No Country for Old Men. All right. Uh, his number two is what Kelly Wan just brought up. No Country for Old Men. Llewellyn Moss buys a tent. Mm. 
which is I I, oh. I really tried hey, to sporting think of, goods. Yeah, sporting hey, sporting goods. I tried to think of there was there are a couple moments and I couldn't remember them where where it's like post apocalyptic but pre post apocalyptic where somebody's like taking apocalyptic. A, yeah, somebody's taking a uh, like a, a cart through a store and just throwing stuff in like <laughs> tape and whatnot. Like, I need this, I need this, I need this before the uh, apocalypse happens, but I couldn't remember. There uh, is some pretty cool. dire shopping in uh, in blindness post oh, post apocalyptic yeah. shopping. Yeah. Um, oh, there's another one now that I can't. Oh, window blind shopping. It'll come to me later. Anyway, so his number one is the Big Lebowski. The dude buys milk. Sweet mm. Jeff. Sweet aptly named. Very sweet, nice. Sweet milk. And, and not milk, by the way. He's not buying milk. Remember, it's half and half. Or milk. That wasn't sixty nine cents when Bush invaded. The thing. Well, you could have asked Bush, and he would have said twelve cents, wouldn't he? <laughs> Very nice, Dingus. As al- as always, love the podcast, and seriously, I think Terrence Malick could make a pretty awesome Swamp Thing movie. Thanks, Jeff. Still, not, still the... not buying that. Still oh, not believing. I, that. I think that he's thing. pulling our leg. Uh, next, we have Emmett Coffin. Is that uh, Emmett Coffin. Awesome. Um, here are my three favorite shopping moments in films. Number three, Home Alone. Kevin goes out to buy a toothbrush, and he sees the old man who he is afraid of. He runs out of the store and steals the toothbrush. Wait a minute. Tom? <laughs> if Never. you can do that, then I'm going to change one of mine to uh, the ice storm when Joan <laughs> Allen shoplifts the lipstick. The old man's shopping for um, people he can sponsor. Right, you just had a shoplifting 3x3 three three that you ruined. Right. Rats. Uh, number two, Star Wars. <laughs> What? Uh, Wait a minute. They don't even have money in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> no, they have credits. Oh, buying droids from the Jawas. Oh, I yeah. thought it was going to be when uh, when Han Solo's paying for the cleanup at the canteen. They pay with hell. No, he doesn't pay for that. Yeah, he does. He flips a coin to the proprietor. It's going to cost more than that. You don't know what kind of coin it was, do you? He's got to pay that for that, and now he's got to pay Jabba, and he never pays anybody. He doesn't pay. I don't understand why he doesn't just pay the guys... Why didn't he didn't pay them off at the end of the fourth movie? Dingus, do you have an answer for Kelly Wand? And I can't save his mom at the end. Because he okay. dumped his shipment at the first sign of an Imperial Destroyer. <laughs> Nerds. Number, All right, what is Emmett Coffin's number one pick? Number one, City of God. Right. Benny notices a guy has nice clothes, so Benny gives him money to go buy some for him. He gets the clothes and changes his appearance, and so he looks nice and also changes his personality. From the director of Blindness. Very good. Very good. Uh, next, we have Dan Edmonds. Uh, number three, the car shopping scene from Transformers. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Wow, a Transformers pick. <laughs> Fuck. Sam's dad takes some car shopping at Bobby Boliv- Bolivia's auto sales. As Bobby B says, the cars don't pick the driver. The driver picked the car. Hmm. Bumblebee rolls up on the lot and Sam oh. immediately likes the car. As Uncle Bobby B tries to sell any of the other cars in the lot, Bubble B blows out the glass on all of them, leaving it, leaving only it intact. Somehow, Uncle Bobby B sells Sam the car for $4,000 without a title. Can we go back to talking about selling droids, from buying them from Jawas? <laughs> Bubble B was a droid. Uh, I think uh, Dan Edmonds has a bad motivator. Cars are droids with wheels. The same Number two, the dollar store scene from 30 minutes or less. Wait, what? <laughs> he may be trolling us. 30 minutes or less. Uh, what is that? That sounds familiar. 
That's like Wife's delivery movie with. Uh, oh God! Oh Jesus! Wow! Yeah, he is trolling us. Go ahead. What is that? Yeah. Nick and Chet. Yeah, Nick and Chet stop at Family Dollar to get a few supplies for their bank heist. As they're checking out, the cashier calls out the items as she scans them. After she scans a gun and a mask, she asks them if they want to buy some condoms. She says that this is what guys usually buy before they rape someone. Oh, what? Wait a minute. Is this going to be quote? Is this going to be cash or credit for your rape quit, rape kit? Unquote. That is not in thirty minutes or less. We saw that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Podcast. Do you guys remember that scene? No, no. I don't. That's got to be in like the unrated <laughs> DVD release or something. What? The yeah, hell? that's pretty. Uh, can't get enough of hitting. rape jokes. Man. Well, but she's giving it, so that would make sense because she's the proprietor. Proprietor. What I was trying to think of. I, and I, this has got to be some really old movie because I remember this as a kid. Is it, is it Porky's or something where somebody needs to buy condoms and so he goes into the drugstore and he lists like t- you know five or six different things that he needs and then tries to add condoms and then he just buys the condoms and leaves everything else. Is that something from Porky's? No, that's not Porky's. That's um, oh jeez, I know because I never got to see Porky's as a kid. I thought it was Woody Allen. <laughs> God, I can't imagine Woody exactly. Allen. Poor Dingus, relegated to a life without porkies. Um, it was Trojan War or Amazon Women on the Moon, That's my guess. All right, I like your guess. Uh, and finally, his number one is the flower shop scene from The Room. Oh, Eli Wiesel, that, or Tommy Wiseau, or whatever that dude's name is. I've never seen that movie, but I've seen clips from it. Uh, I, you know, actually, I think I might even know the flower scene. What does he say about it? This is by far the greatest 19 seconds of history of cinema. Uh, whether this movie was intended to be a comedy or not, this scene is pure gold. Words cannot describe the complete lack of narrative in this scene. With that being said, I'm just going to copy and paste the dialogue from the scene from IMVD. Awesome. Dingus, I can't wait for you to do this. Dingus, do you know what the room is? I I've seen one scene from it, but I don't know. I don't understand what the meme is for the room. Have you seen the rooftop scene where he's kvetching to his friend about how yeah, his yeah. girlfriend has accused him of hitting her? And because uh, that's that's the scene that I know, and I think I have seen this flower shop scene. So Dingus, I'm expecting some great acting. I want you to really put yourself. I have in. to do this. I can't. Can I just post it? Nope. Let's hear it's the your topic. Yeah, it's you. You're, you set yourself up. Virgo. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Dingus, John, you reap you reap the whirlwind. You'll sow the dialogue from the room. That's in the Bible. I just watched a movie that said reap the whirlwind. What movie did I just watch? Shopping. Uh, White House Down. No. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We bring you on tonight's masterpiece theater, reading a selection of dialogue from the room. Christian Moltlansky. All right, Johnny walks into flower shop. Hi, flower shop clerk. Can I? Nah, I'm not feeling it. You want me to start over? Yeah. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah. Can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, count. hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. That's Rose. just like this. He's not even changing his voice. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. <laughs> The last line uh, sells it. I don't. Maybe I haven't seen that. I mean, what can you do with that? I don't know. I feel like we should be the best it right now. That was really intense. 
<laughs> the way that I think the the poignance of the high doggy line, like the the meaning yeah. that Dingus put into that, that really I really felt like he was saying he was greeting a dog. Near him. Uh, then the flower shop, the flower shop clerk says, "You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 <laughs> we cut him off. We didn't. Even, we thought the scene was over, and there yeah. was more." <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm surprised that nobody voted for the room in our listener pledge drive. You know, people voted for why did I get married too, but they didn't try to thrust something on us like the room. They didn't all vote for why did I get married too. That's it. That is true. Your math turned out to be crazy, right? You were right. like, oh, everyone has fifty percent chance. It turned out, yep, the dumbest thing. Yep, hundred percent. All right. So who was that? Dingus is acting. Dingus, Dan, not Dan Simmons. That's an author. Who was the person? Dan- Oh, Brian. Those dead. Dan Edmonds. Dan Edmonds. Oh, right. And we have one from more. The, oh. From who? From the well, I thought you were going to do, gonna do more. You, you met another selection from that scene. Yes, I'm going to continue with that. We scene. have one more selection. More, more selections from the room. Doggy, I'm warning you. <laughs> it turns dark like Kojo. <laughs> All right. I'm listening. All right. Uh, finally, we have Dave Perkins, uh, who is uh, who signs it. Dave and Michelle. Uh, number three, Barry Egan buying pudding in Punch Drunk Love. Oh, mm. very nice. Playing to the room. Playing to the room. Yeah. Well, wait. You just wait. You think that's playing to the room? Number two, the groceries Jack and Duke buy with their litmus configuration money in Midnight Run. Oh God! Wow. That is fucking room playing. We especially like that Jack drops them all when he is trying to board the morning train, the movie. Very good, Dave. Yes. Yeah, we all know their first names. (laughs) And finally, this is for you, Kelly. The Blues Brothers Mall Chase. Oh, yeah, I guess that is window shopping. They do like look at the shops. Yeah, he says they are window shopping as they crash through the aisles and halls. The new Oldsmobiles are in early this year. And then, of course... Uh, this is me adding disco pants and haircuts. They even have an orange Julius. <laughs> orange whip? Orange whip? Three orange whips. Um, That's probably the best scene in film. Dim. So wow. we have Barry Egan, uh, Jack and Duke, and uh, Jake and Elroy. There you go. And that's all of our listener submissions. That's it. Do you guys have any runners up? I am good. I liked that topic, Dingus. Just Coyote Ugly. It's kind of cute when they tried on different outfits like that. Well, when you brought up milk, Tom, you made me think of the guy in Clerks who's testing all of the milks to see which ones have the best expiration date. Do you remember the movie Clerks either? Mm. And he has an egg, right? It's like an egg fetishist. Uh-huh. And there's also a, there's some great shopping in Superbad, particularly when uh, when they're trying on pants. I don't remember that. I remember buying liquor. Yeah, I remember buying like. What about the movie, movie though, Tom? But uh, there's a. <laughs> good. Uh, and then there's there's two checkout scenes I really liked. Uh, one is for my mom, who can't stop telling me about the um, "You've Got Mail" checkout scene where Tom Hanks helps Meg Ryan buy uh, buy groceries at, oh. at Thanksgiving, and then of course the terms of the famous terms of endearment checkout scene. And those are mildly shopping. I thought Tom was going to give me some guff about what shopping really means, but it turns out he didn't. What is the fa- – there's a famous – there's he no famous know. scene from Terms of Endearment. Sure. No, the, the only famous scene – where she doesn't have enough money to pay, and John Lithgow 
covers her groceries, and that's what sort of gets him into her life. That's he, famous. Yeah. Well, for people. what about when that dude breaks Julie Roberts' fingers with the uh, necklace box in Pretty Woman? That's shopping, right? Well, there is a famous Pretty Woman scene, but yeah. Is there a Gary Marshall movie um, about Black Friday? <laughs> there is one about Black Sunday. Mm. Tom? Is it is it shopping in bridesmaids when the the Mexican food kicks in or the ta- uh, yeah. yeah that's shopping the, bri- okay. the bride's dresses are yeah. shopping yeah that's sure okay. right, I'm gonna list that that's one. A lo- mm. Yeah, that was unfortunate. All right, moving on. Talking about next. that, <laughs> Kelly Wan, what is next week's three by three? I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you an example of it, and then I'm going to go. What is it? And then you're going to tell me what it is, and then I'm going to say what it is. Wait, Ready? what? This is a quiz? Oh, okay. God, what's happening? <laughs> okay, so in the everyone knows this iconic movie, the, uh, Star Wars, and um, you know how uh, Uncle Owen's always on Luke's ass to get those power converters lubed up and put those droids away. Get those Star Wars action figures into bed, you fucking loser. And then I wish that you had played Uncle Owen. I just want to say, <laughs> Uncle Owen was like with a, with a cigarette, like a huge <laughs> ash on it. He's like, "Come on!" Then he beats Maru with a "Shut up, bitch!" And then uh, I already told you once to shut up with my mouth. Yeah, John Hawks is Uncle Owen. Give <laughs> me a turkey pot pie, bitch. Tight cast, and then uh, but then he gets his uh, later on. He gets. Uh, burned alive for buying robots uh, that had things in them that other people wanted. So it's kind of like uh, true romance. So then um, that's an example of the comeuppance that was Uncle Owen's comeuppance. So what I want from you guys is three comeuppances in movies besides that Uncle Owen one that we all remember. That's great. That was kind of a shocker moment in the trilogy when he got his comeuppance. Yeah, you set, Drew, the, table, you set the table perfectly, I think. All right. So, uh, like if, you have, if you have any, uh, if you have any choices for, uh, come up with some movies that you would like to submit, uh, send your picks to three by three at quarter to three. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three at quarter to three. You spell that out. Dot com. We would love to read them on the air. Uh, next week we are going to see Bad Grandpa. No, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I tried. I honestly tried to keep a straight face. I couldn't do it. Uh, next week we're going to see the counselor. Um, so we'll probably wish we'd seen Bad Grandpa. I know it is Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott's on a cold streak. What if it's Prometheus Ridley Scott? Well, it and is Prometheus Ridley Scott. There is no other Ridley Scott at this point, Kelly. Wan. The last good Ridley Scott was Black Hawk Down. Right. So uh, Hannibal for me, I consider Hannibal a quality film. And I'm sure some people like Robin Hood. Okay. Uh, so see the counselor and join us here next week. We will talk about that and we will read you our picks for uh, best comes up, comeuppances uh, come up from movies. I know I burned an ace, so you have to come up with three different ones besides the one that I eulogized through uh, drama. All right, good. We'll, we'll look forward to what can be done with that. Uh okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got some ideas. All right, Kelly One, you could have done worse. Hey, hey Kelly One, I feel about your three by three the way that I feel about the remake of Carrie. It could have been worse. It's worse. 
Uh, so join us. Wasn't so bad. I, I've rented apartments that were worse than the closet. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I did like Kelly Wan re- referenced it as a Harry Potter closet. That's where Harry Potter got that from. That J.K. Rowling must have really liked Carrie. That I would have loved a closet like that when I was a kid. Get the fuck out of my room. Yeah, I'm reading. reading. Trying to read two. Lock me in here all day. See ya. Masturbating. Right. Bong room. Free. Huh, guys? Uh, I guess it's girls. That's what I heard from Catherine Bigelow. So uh, join us next week. We'll we'll talk the counselor and our favorite comeuppances. I'm Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Merlansky. It's Christian Murawski. And uh, Kelly Wand. I'm a Jane Campion. Get it? Get it, Kelly Wand? Christine was a He wrote that because he said a woman can't write women characters. I dare you to write one. And then he wrote Carrie to prove that he can't write one. <laughs> uh, you know what I was just going to say? You could make that full screen. <laughs>